welcome to the aggressive life. There's a legend about the Spanish conquistador Cortez, which, by the way, one of the most mesmerizing books I've ever read is called Conquistador. It is just amazing. Uh, It's not amazing that this guy just abused Mexicans and led to the pillaging of a country, but it's it really is a fascinating tale of history. And it's said that after he landed in the New World, his men didn't want to embark into the unknown. They wanted to stay on the ships. They wanted to leave themselves and out. And so what did he do? He burned the ships, gathered them all on the shore, and gave his generals the orders to eliminate their exit plan, their safety plan. That's a crazy, crazy story, but it's always inspired me to think through what exit plans am I keeping around and am I burning the ships going forward? We've got an artist with us today who's done a good number of burning of the ships. In fact, it's been an inspiration for one of their works of art. He's a part of the band King and Country. They're known for their amazing shows. Some would call them mesmerizing. They're known for their songwriting Uh, It would be called Honest Songwriting, though I'm not sure exactly, Luke, what dishonest songwriting is, but you got a different thing going on with you. They've netted four Grammy Awards, uh, Dove Awards. They've seen nine of their singles become top 10 hits, including four reaching the number one. And they're doing it while talking about things that are not safe, very aggressive things that they're writing about, suicide, addiction, pain loss, and virtually anything you can think of that leads to a loss of hope, they're actually writing songs about these things. And you think, well, who'd want to actually listen to songs like that? Well, a lot of people, because they're really, really solid. So welcome to the Aggressive Life, Luke Smallbone. Thank you, man. That was quite the introduction, man. You've done your, you've done your research on uh, Cortez, and then you read something that we must have sent you. And so I for, forgive us for ever sending us. But, uh, uh, thank, you, thank you for uh, the info. I appreciate it. Oh, no, you're welcome. I appreciate you. So tell me about for you, what was the inspiration with Cortez? Did Cortez actually inspire you in a unique artistic way? You know what? I um, Look, I, I did something very strange in high school. I read books on a biography on Joseph Stalin. I read a biography on Hitler. And uh, I didn't read one on Cortez, though I, I've, I've read some historical fiction about, about him. And people were always like, why would you read books about these horrible people? And I, I said, well, I want to know what made them so bad. You know, I want to know, like, what was the thing that flipped the switch on some of these guys that made these guys do unbelievably uh, horrific things? Now, what you realize with all of these guys is they're all using a lot of things that are right before us today, influence power, uh, communication. They're all using these things that pretty much everybody has at our fingertips, but they did it for the wrong reasons. And so I'm always looking at things like, well, how can I use some of these things that people have learned for good, you know, for Jesus? How, how can I, how can I learn from people's you know, past mistakes? And so for me, Cortez, you know, that, that story of burn the ships was fascinating because you, you know, you explained it quite well. I mean, look, you've got, you've got a situation where you arrive at a place to, to, to conquer it. But he can't motivate his men because his men are always thinking about safety. They're always thinking about how they're going to get back, how they're going to. And so it doesn't give them the ability to move forward. And I thought, well, what a beautiful illustration of what takes place in a lot of people's lives. A lot of people are are hung up on their pasts. A lot of people are hung up on the things, the mistakes that they've made. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. Look, that's very natural. That's, That's kind of the human order. But it doesn't allow you to move forward. 
And I think that, you know, for so many of us, there's, there's, uh, there's ships to burn for us to move forward, to take new ground. There's certain things I think that we are, we're robbed of that our, where our predecessors or ancestors had a shot at, like actual true adventure. I'm, I'm a big adventure guy. I love being in situations where I haven't been in before, where I'm not sure what's going to happen. But I'm never going to have the dream. Just think about it, Luke. You're on a ship for months, landing yeah. in a place where no one you ever know has been. And for all you know, there's dinosaurs there. Or for all you know, there's aliens. I mean, the the adrenaline rush, the fear factor had to be crazy, don't you think? Absolutely. I just read a book on the expansion of the West, another one that is a little bit <laughs> hairy at times, uh, con- controversial. And that's exactly right. You know, even when they were down uh, going to Mexico City, you've got from the Americans' point of view, you've got this situation where they don't know what's around the bend. They don't know what's around the mountain. And it creates an unbelievable amount of fear. So what do you do with fear? To become really powerful in life, to, to give yourself the ability to move forward, you have to do everything you can to eliminate fear. And if you eliminate fear, usually you can do things that are unlike anyone else. And the reason why we're talking about Cortez, the reason why we're talking about that illustration is because he did that. He, he eliminated the fear and it gave them no choice but to move forward, gave them no choice but to, uh, to, 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 to make a, a way for themselves, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent. That's what, uh, that's what they were left with. Do you find this value that you're talking about so, so well, do you find this value is present in most creatives? Uh, just the idea of trying to move beyond fear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're not just a drummer. You've got some You've got some deeply held convictions here that I'm not sure are held by the average creative or the average artist that would just wants to stay to their thing. Yeah, look, you know, music's hard, you know, uh, traveling's hard. And, I, and I'm very grateful for all that God has given me. But, you know, when you're not signing up for ease of life, right? And so <laughs> for me, it's, it's because of conviction. It's because I believe in the power of music. Man, at the end of the day, if I'm not creating something that I feel is is genuine or, or helpful to society, well, allow the other people that are doing it very well to just keep on going on, right? Why am I needed? I'm needed in if, if God has given me passion and inspiration for certain things that I get the privilege of, of writing songs about. Part of the reason why we write songs about the things that you listed off prior is because, um, you know, music a lot of times makes the medicine go down a little bit. Right. And so when you are talking about suicide, it's not these aren't things that people necessarily like to talk about in the open, though, you know, you probably have the statistics more so at at hand than than what I do. I mean, man, most people in their life are going to deal with, in some case, suicide, whether or not directly themselves, friends at this point, you're probably talking about everyone. Uh, friends, uh, you know, uncles, aunties, fa- family, it, it's, it's a real thing, but we don't talk about it very much because it's very nuanced. Well, music gives you the ability, I think, to, to talk about the nuance. It, gets, it gives you the ability to talk about the sadness, but it gives you the ability to talk about hope. And uh, look, I want my life to, to count for something. I've been given something and, and I want to, I want to steward it. I want God to use what, what I've got left. I don't know if I've got 50, 60 or three hours left. I don't know, but I do know that I'm passionate about, about, uh, helping people. And I want to be able to help people see things in, in some cases in a slightly different perspective. And I think music gives you that ability. Yeah. The suicide stuff is, it's just out of control. Uh, we're, 
we're harming ourselves at a level that's that's never before been seen. I have a friend of mine who's really big in the addiction recovery community. He's kind of a guru in Cincinnati. And so he knows based on the month how many suicides how many suicide funerals he'll have to attend. And he says since COVID, I think he said it's up three X of what it would normally be since the beginning. We're just we're just not well. And I think that's a really cool thing about art and your art. It's not just giving us something more beautiful to look at and listen to, which is great, which is awesome. We all need something more beautiful to look at and listen to. All of us do. But you're also trying to do that with some topics and subjects that are really pretty cruddy. Is is that harder to do? Well, look, I've had some strange things happen in my life. And ironically enough, my life got complicated when I started doing music. Uh, I got married uh, coming up 12 years and got married. And it was about uh, when we really started getting going, which is about 10 years ago, which is, sounds crazy to say. And man, things got difficult. I got really, really sick, um, which was um, unexpected. I, I, I had to come off the road for a couple of months. Uh, you know, you know, I got, I had a digestive disorder and got, I lost, man, I, you know, I got down to, I'm a six foot four man. I think I got down to about 125 pounds. That was the last time I looked. Jeez. I got really, really sick. Um, I nearly lost my son uh, to a near SIDS accident uh, when he was two months old. Then when he was five months old, he had to have uh, 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 skull reconstruction surgery. Uh, my wife has walked through a, a battle of, of addiction that was a long, you know, long time ago now, but we walked through that together. I mean, look, life has not been all, you know, all that, that easy. But what I found is, is if you can, you know, I, I, I once went and asked God kind of shaking my fist, like, God, why do these things keep happening to me? You know, these aren't easy things, you know, to heal from emotionally and, and mentally. And yet it's, there's like almost like been this pattern. And I felt God really clearly say to me, Luke, it's, it's, you know, these stories and the outcomes reflect the goodness of my love and faithfulness to you. Mm. You don't even have to be a good storyteller to tell these stories and, and they will connect with people. So tell the stories. And so, man, that's most of my life. You know, most of music has just been about telling honest stories about what, what goes on in, in, in my life, what God is, what God is teaching me. It doesn't always have to be directly to me, but man, we have people come up and sharing their stories all the time. And I, I sit back and I think that, what, well, what's the antip- antithesis to the sadness that they feel? Well, there's hope. Well, how can I share that hope with that person who's struggling with feeling hopeless? And in some cases, music, it, can't, it may not always be the answer, but for, for a certain few, it, it can be a part of the answer. And, and, you know, it's a joy for me to be able to try and, and try and write those songs. When did you know or decide that this was going to be your career path? Well, man, I, I, well, so I, my older sister is an artist and, and I grew up in and around music. And so I was on the road from a very young age. I think I started on the road when I was nine years old. Wow. Uh, I was a lighting director uh, kind of in high school, which, you know, we homeschooled our whole life or else I wouldn't have been able to do most of the things that, that I, I started doing. And uh, I was playing basketball. I wanted to pursue basketball. And, and I knew I wasn't going to be like an NBA player, but thought, you know, maybe I can get a college scholarship or get into coaching or, you know, whatever it might be. And, and uh, my junior year of high school, I tore my ACL. And uh, I felt like that was a way of God saying, I don't want you to play sports. And so I, I was looking for something else, you know, and uh, I went to my mom and I said, mom, you know, my mom's always been a wonderful, you know, guiding uh, voice in my life spiritually. And she said, Luke, I believe that by the time you graduate high school, there's going to be one thing left for you to do. 
And so sure enough, I, I, you know, I've been in around music my whole life, you know, grew up singing and playing drums and, you know, but never really took it that seriously. And sure enough, I graduated high school and Joel comes to me and says, hey, what do you think about writing some songs and singing on some demos and just seeing where music takes us? And so we were uh, virtually, you know, had zero success for about five or six years. And uh, then somebody, you know, kind of the, you know, the, the old story of somebody heard a song and, uh, you know, wanted us to kind of join forces with a record label. And, and here we are today. So in some cases, I feel like I'm still being called to it. You know, it was yeah. never this big dream of this is what I'm going to do. I used to make fun of people, actually, that were in music, you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I, you know, God is kind of I don't feel the most qualified or the most gifted to do almost anything that I've ever done in my life. And yet, you know, there's that saying, you know, God qualifies the call. I mean, I, I'm a little bit of a walking example of that. There's far more gifted singers. There's far more gifted drummers. There's far more gifted songwriters. But yet God has given us stories. God has given us songs. And, you know, I've, people, you know, there's a, the, the debate of the miracles still happen, right? People ask that a lot. And uh, I think if you want to look at tangible miracles every single day, look at the gift of creativity. Because you will walk into a room with nothing and you leave with something. Where does it come from? It's inexplainable. You know, computers can't do that. Computers is ones and zeros. They're told they, they can merge things. They can mesh things. They can do it, but they can't take a unique thought and develop it. That's the gift of, you know, it's a miracle every single day. Sure is. We're uniquely designed with that capacity. And yet I'm not sure there's that much creativity in Christianity today. I, I look back at where we were as being the leaders in art, and this has been well thought of and well discussed. You know, if you go through any ancient museum with yep. ancient artworks, you're going to see Christian yep. art. And part of that was because that was just what was around culture, but also part of it was those great artists were influenced by things in the scriptures. And I'm not seeing the greatest art come out of the family of God these days. Why is that? You know, uh, I've spent a lot of time thinking through this and, um, you know, you, you're, you're in this world, you've probably seen it before, you know, when, um, somebody comes and they say, Hey, I need, I need a project done. And they, you know, and, and they may be talking to a Christian and, and they say, okay, well, well, how much can you, can you pay to, to do this project? Well, I'm, I'm starting a ministry and I want to, and I, and I, I need a favor. And the problem is, is the motivation is always the favor and to do it on behalf of God, right? But the problem is, is our art and our work is not excellent enough to stand up outside of Christians oftentimes looking at their art and having some sort of other grace or compassion for it. Because the motivating factor is, uh, I'm, I, well, I just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do good. So will you help me out rather than going mastering your craft? Going, you know, I often say, you know, if, if we want to see revival take place, people need to look at your life like it's a little bit of, of the burning bush. Oh my goodness, what is happening? There's something unexplainable. And a lot of times in, in Christendom, it's Christians looking at other Christians that way. But you know, when you're a real true burning bush is when it's somebody who doesn't know Jesus looks at you and say, says, I don't kind of explain that dude, right? But he is so dang good at what he does, that I have to say, there's something compelling about the God that he serves because this is unexplainable. We, uh, for, for whatever reason, mail it in a little bit. And uh, we can call it um, lack of funds, lack of money, but I think that the mainstream is driven by basically only one thing, and that is money. 
we don't hold the same convictions that the mainstream does about making money that we do for serving God. If we had the same amount of vigor that these people are, and look, I'm not saying it's right, that are just capitalistic, I'm gonna beat the other person. If we had that same vigor of, I'm gonna serve the Lord with all my heart, mind, and soul, and I'm gonna give everything to it, you'll have great art. If you're willing to be honest and it will cost you something, you'll have great art. But the moment it gets a little bit easy, the moment it gets a little bit too cushy, your art suffers. And what do you mean by, if you're willing to be honest, what does that mean for you artistically? I think being honest is, I mean, look, Bono said years ago, he said, look, you want, you want to know what's wrong with Christian music and, and Christian art is that nobody's writing about their bad marriages. You know, nobody's writing about their failed friendships. Nobody's, nobody's writing. It, we talk about sadness and we talk about some sad things that we don't feel good about, but we actually don't talk about the reason why we're sad. We don't talk about our depression. We very rarely talk about the, the, the thoughts that, that trans, you know, go through our minds of suicide, or we don't talk about, and look, the, the, we can get progressively more aggressive with the thoughts that go through our mind that we don't, we don't talk about. And that's part of the reason why when I say honest, it's not very honest. It, we, we paint a picture of ourselves that may have a little bit of boohoo, but isn't quite honest enough to actually be detrimental. But when you write a story and you tell us, write about a song that could be actually detrimental because it's that honest, well, people resonate with that because people have, are, have walked through that. People have, got, have been that sad. People have been that depressed. And that's where honesty comes in is, man, look, people aren't talking about hard things that for the most part are walking, you walk into any store, any Walmart, people are going through the exact same things as you and depression and all these different thoughts make us feel isolated and they don't make us feel known. And it, and it, and it's a spiral that just keeps getting, you know, it keeps going down more and more. And that's why I think it takes honesty for people to come out because you can relate to honesty. Do you think Christians are more open or less open to that kind of reality than the average person. Oh man, look. Um, I, I'll just tell you what I'm frustrated with. I, I, I'm leading the witness, so I'll stop leading the witness. Just on the observation, your industry, I'm curious if you think about this. I listen to local Christian radio where I live in Cincinnati. I'm like, when I do, when I do, because I, I can't take it much at all. I, I, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take my Spotify feed and have my own curated stuff on there. But I'm like, I get it. you people are, you're, you're playing the same song, literally the same songs you did 10 years ago, literally. Like, I don't, I don't know how you even write a song that breaks onto Christian radio, Luke. I, I, and I, I asked, talked to one of the program directors one time about this. I, I, they had me in to do something or other. This was years and years ago. And they said, well, people love, People like what they like, you know. It makes them feel good to have the old stuff. I like, and I said, uh, maybe that's why your audience is so small. <laughs> but that wouldn't, but that would never work in the rest of the world. In the rest of the world, you say, no, no, we have to keep churning out new creativity in whatever genre is new creativity. We keep right. coming out, right. or else that 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 station would shut down. But it seems like there's people in Christendom who are stuck in time warp who want to live in the past and aren't wanting to expose themselves to new creative things for the future. Your response? Look, you're not, you know, look, you're not wrong. And you know, it's funny because then people often say when we get into these kind of conversations, well, Luke, you must be so cynical of the church. No, the, the church is the hope of the world. Yeah. It still is. But can we be better about 
creating better art. Yeah. The problem with, you know, when you get, get into radio and, and look, radio has been good to us and, and we try to be a little bit of the purple cow. Um, but what, you know, I, I, what I always say is this, when it comes to, if you found a good song, a good song is one that you can play for someone who doesn't know Jesus and connects with them and also plays a song for someone who does know Jesus. And they say it's a good song because here's the thing. If we're only writing songs for the convinced then our art isn't good. And most of what you'll find at Christian radio is, is we're writing songs for the convinced. It's very difficult to straddle the fence of reaching people who don't know Jesus and people that do. You have to communicate in a way that is, is a little tricky. There's a little bit of a knife edge there, but just because it's hard doesn't mean it's impossible. And you're going to have to have some conviction from these program directors to start banding. Because the problem is, is you play a song that's too hot, that's too edgy, and they're going to give it about two months. And if the testing doesn't come back, they're going to drop it. Well, here's the thing. If you hang with that song, if you think it's a really brilliant song, the, the, you're actually going to change the taste of the people that are listening. You know, Steve Jobs said, we don't ever do any, uh, do any uh, research, market research for our new products. And somebody asked him, well, why? And he said, because they don't know what they want yet. And the music sometimes is similar. And look, this is an issue in Christian music, but it's not one that's insurmountable, but it's one that needs discussion. And, uh, you know, sign me up for this discussion. Yeah, that's right. Like very rarely have ever liked a song the first time I've heard it. Yeah. You know, and if you did, it's probably because it was similar to something else. Once again, that was not oh, that's a good fun. word. Oh, that's a good word. Oh, that's right. Actually, one of our uh, worship guys here at the church, which is my day job, he laments this and he says that um, if you look at some of the breakthrough bands of yesteryear, they were breaking through with different a different sound, but now we have it down. We know we know what kind of sound people want, and you're not hearing a lot of variation on that. We know how to make a hit now, um, and that's what people are trying to do is stay inside those paradigms. Do you, do you agree with that? Well, look, I do. I mean, to, to a to a point, um, you know, I joked with somebody in the music industry the other day, and I was like, if I hear another quack beat. You know, it's like, you know, there was a point, I, you know, I felt like maybe at least a couple months ago that, I, I mean, 70% of the music had a beat of some sort of variation of that. And I just was like, this is unbelievable to me. But, you know, at the same time, you, what you'll still find is that people that are breaking out even now are still going to, you know, if I was speaking to a young artist, I'd say, hey, make a sound that nobody's ever heard before. Because if, it's repl- if, if, the, if it can be replicated, why wouldn't they play that other more established artist? It's a safer bet for them. So the only way for you to be able to make kind of an, a headway in all of this hmm. is if you create a sound that has never really been heard before. If you're going to sing a little bit differently, because look, I, I'm not not dog on Chris Tomlin, but if you're going to sing like Chris Tomlin, why wouldn't they just play Chris Tomlin? They're just going to play Chris Tomlin. Yes. So even even the ones that have broken out over the last, you know, let's pick some over the last 20 years. You may have some that break for a second, but ones that have stayed, when they still came out, they still originally had either a new thought, new message, or a new sound. You've had some that have success for a second, but then they fizzle away, and it's because they're not unique enough. Fascinating. That's, boy, that, we're staying on the artistic, creative side, but man, that's, that's a truth for every single industry right there. Think of some of your favorite brands, you know, if you're into Apple products, unless an Apple product 
becomes something that's, you know, another product becomes some, so much different and so much better than Apple. You're just going to keep buying Apple products. This is too easy. I mean, it's not that unlike most every other genre. Yeah. And if you look at uh, what churches are popping for the long, long haul, uh, they're ones that have a unique, a unique vision, a unique feel taste. But then if you look at the new churches that are starting, they all look the same. They do. Uh, it, I hate to say that. They do. They all have the same kind of music. They all have the same kind of young pastor who has the same kind of look. They have the same kind of video. They have the same, I mean, just on. And there's probably a thing there that's good to maybe attract the masses. But for longevity and sustainability and impact, we've got to start having some people start churches that have a different vision than the latest iteration of Stephen Furtick, who was really the latest iteration of Bill Hybels, who was really the latest iteration of Robert Schuller, who was really the latest. I mean, these we, we, we've got to figure out who's God made me to be, and I've got to be the one that starts something new and try something new. Yeah, no, well, and look, we could probably go around and around on this for a long time, but I, I think it has a lot to do with we don't really know who we are under God. You know, when you get into like the image of God, like who were you actually created to be? Like who, who, what has God, because I tell my kids, I try to tell, hey man, you may not do what daddy does and daddy may not do what you do. That's good because you want to have some variety, man. If you want to do construction, become the greatest skid steer driver ever in the history of skid steer driving, because that reflects something, do something, know who you are. Because a lot of times people are becoming like somebody else for power. Because if they become like somebody else, but in your local community, you can go, well, you can go to a Stephen Verdict-like church, but is that actually who, because, you know, God only gave us so many gifts, right? Right. Uh, but when we're just posing, it, it just gets, it's just gets, and no, there's no shame on this. I think a lot of people might maybe think like, oh, well, Luke's coming down or, or, you know, they're coming down a little bit hard on some of these people. Man, no. no. What's, look, the truth is I've been that person. I'm, you probably have as well. You've probably taught a sermon on something that, you know, you, you may, may want to have back, you know? Oh. More than a, more than a, yeah. uh, a, a lot actually. No, I don't, I actually don't think we're cracking on anybody. Actually, I, I was cracking on the the radio industry, I guess, but no, I don't think we're cracking on anybody. I think we're trying to do is, is preach to the choir here, which is you and I preach to ourselves. Uh, I had a friend, he's a guy who's kind of a local uh, motivational guru. And uh, he had, he had a line years ago, it stuck with me. He said, cover bands don't change the world. You know, if, if you if you need to have a crowd quickly and pay some bills, you want to have a cover band. If I'm if I'm, out, I'm out at a bar, I want a cover band playing ACDC or whatever like that, or or King and Country. You know, I, I I want that happening. But if you actually want to have sustainability and actually change the world, you've got to you've got to find your own voice and add something new to the party. I think that's a challenge for all of us, no matter what industry we're in. That's good. All right, so Luke, a couple questions. I know you got uh, other stuff going on today, but. Hey, if you've got a lot of folks, this is their first time, King and Country, I didn't even, some people are like, I didn't even know it was a Christian music industry. Other people are like, King and Country, never knew there was a band called King and Country. If you were to have somebody right now go to Spotify and say, start with this song, what song should they start with to understand your heart and your, and your craft? Well, I mean, look, you know, you, you've got the songs that were the ones that were, you know, because we are, you you understand the the themes probably and the sermon series that you've done that have been the most successful. Usually, mean, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the best sermon series out there, but it just reached the most people, right? And so for that, you have to take that into account, right? And so I think for us, you know, there's a song called "God Only Knows" that is probably one 
that people know us, you know, by, and it reached probably the, the widest, if that makes sense, you know, into, you know, the, like I say, the convinced and the unconvinced, you know, it, it reached, you know, in some cases, a little bit of both. But the, we have a new project that's um, coming out called, what, the album's called What Are We Waiting For? It comes out March 11th. And that first single off of that album is a song called Relate. And I love that because, you know, it is, you know, we're, we're trying to push the, the, son, the, the, the sonics of, of, of music. And it's, it's a little bit different for us. But I love it because, you know, when we walked through the last two years of the, the mayhem that we've all walk, walked through, there was a lot of finger pointing and there was a lot of, you know, and I'm not going to get into all of that, but I, I, the, the song really is about, hey, what does it look like to have empathy and compassion in today's day and age? Because at a lot of times it's a little bit like, hey, if you're, if you're on the blue side or the red side, you know, if you're on that side, then I can agree. And if you're on my side, you know, I can agree. If you're on the other side, I can't agree. And we're just not going to be friends. Well, that's not how humanity works. You know, there's, it's a great thing to have diverse thought. But sometimes it takes a few of us to have compassion for that angry Facebook comment or that angry Instagram or TikTok, you know, whatever it was to actually say, hey, the reason why that person said that is because, man, they're probably really hurting, you know, hurt people, hurt people, hurt people, you know? And so that's what, it's one of the songs that I'm proud of, just in the sense of the messaging, because uh, I hope for this coming year that, that we become people that are just a little bit more understanding. I, I have a hard time thinking that Jesus was out there just screaming and ranting all the time. A lot of times he, you know, it says that he, what? He felt great compassion for, so he healed them. It wasn't, he felt, you know, I need to. It was free because he had great compassion. Yeah. It look like for us to have that compassion. That's a good word. Well, Luke, where can um, where can people go to get more of your stuff? Find out about you. I know here in my local city, Cincinnati, you've got a you got a tour stop coming. So um, let us know how to connect. Yeah, well, I mean, we're we're in all the places that most people are at, but uh, you know, fakiancountry.com is is uh, the website, and uh, you know, if you go, if you do any search on any of the places, unless it's one that's not doing their job well, it'll probably lead to the socials and so forth and so on, and so we'll uh, we'll hopefully find you there. And, and what was the inspiration behind your name, King and Country? Well, man, we we were uh, just known as Joel and Luke. It's my brother and I uh, for a long time. And we thought we really don't want to be just known as Joel and Luke for the rest of our <laughs> lives, do we? And so we uh, had a, uh, a a producer friend of ours that we're working with. And we came in with the band name, All the King's Met. And he spun around and was like, hey, what about the band name for King Country? Like the old British mantra that they used to chant before going into battle. Huh. And we looked at each other and we're like, man, that has meaning. I mean, the reason why we do music is for for, for King and for country, for people. And so uh, it just felt like a little bit of a, not to be cheesy, but like every time they announce for King Country, it's a little bit of a reminder of the reason we do what we do and, and who we are. That's really cool. Man, is there anything else you want to talk about that we haven't talked about? No, man, I've, uh, this has been intellectually stimulating conversation, so I'm grateful for that. Yeah, it has been. I, I got to tell you, you uh, I'm, I'm, I'm wishing we... Uh, we had a longer time right now. We had to do like a Joe Rogan episode sometime, like just three hours. Doesn't matter how long it takes. I mean, I won't get high or get wasted with the people like he does, but just like, let's just talk forever because you're one of those dudes I could do that with. It's It's been a really great segment. So thank you, man. Hey, listen, listen to Luke. He's got some phenomenal wisdom for us. This isn't an artist thing. This is an aggressive life thing. That's why we're here. Go out and make something different of your life. Stop doing what everybody else is doing. That's the passive stuff. Do something that's 
pushing you that's going to get you something you don't have right now. That's The Aggressive Life. We'll see you next time on The Aggressive Life. Hey, thanks for listening. For all things aggressive living, why don't you head over to bryantome.com. Find my new book, Move, a guide to get up and go forward, as well as articles and much, much more. And no matter where you listen to podcasts, why don't you take a second and leave us a rating, leave us a review. It really, really helps us drive new listeners to the show. We want to help as many people as possible, just like we may have helped you. We want to help others. So why don't you help us out? And if you want to connect, find me on Instagram, at Brian Tome. The Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.